Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Today, as you said, Mom, is Beth Nielsen Chapman, and our topic is Art and Loss, Music as a Pathway to Healing. Beth Nielsen Chapman is an acclaimed songwriter and performer. In 1993, Beth's husband, Ernest, was diagnosed with lymphoma just at the time Beth released her third album, You Hold the Key. After a one-year struggle with cancer, Ernest died, and Beth released her CD, Sand and Water, which contains several songs dealing with their personal grief. In 2000, Beth was diagnosed with breast cancer, with treatment causing the delay of her next project, Deeper Still. Welcome to the show, Beth. Hi, it's great to be here. It's great to have you on the show. You have been on quite a journey, haven't you? I really have. I, I, I'm resonating with everything you, you talk about, the process of coming through grief and, and how it's like the turning of the soil, you know, that which is just falling apart rejuvenates and then new things grow out of that. It's uh, it's pretty profound um, experience to go through personally, and then it seems as though those of us who have lost someone become stewards of that message, I think, to people who are just going through it. And that's the one thing I've found over and over again that seems to bring so much comfort to people in, in the midst of devastating loss is, is that there is some purpose that can be brought into it, you know, in some way that you can grow and move forward and in, in your life is, is very rich and beautiful and there is joy again, you know, that's that's a great thing to believe. That's a great message. Well, now, when, before your uh, husband Ernest died, you were a songwriter and performer already, weren't you? Yeah, I, I had, um, we'd moved to Nashville in 1985 and uh, my career was going along very well and, in fact, he had been a counselor and he had taken a year off to write and do some things on his own because my career was doing so well. And right at the time that he was finally going to get a chance to play a bit, um, he was diagnosed. So that was a, a big shock to us. And, um, you know, the irony, too, for me is that many of the songs that I was writing prior to his diagnosis uh, ended up being on this, this project called Sand and Water, which was released a few years after his death. And it's as if... Um, so you'd actually written some of the songs from Sand and Water before he died. Yeah, I wrote a song called uh, there was a song called Seven Shades of Blue that I, I had two of the verses written to, and in fact there was a there was a verse about uh, there's a line in the song that says in the hollow of your shoulder there's a tide pool of my tears and uh, that actually I wrote a year before the day that he was diagnosed and the day he was diagnosed there was a minute where I had my head on his shoulder and I literally had cried a little type of tears into his shoulder, a little hollow of his shoulder. And I just, looking back on it all, it just seems as if there was some sort of sense of guidance that, that helped us through all of that, you know. And wow. Now, and you, had one, again, you had a child then, right? Yeah, my son uh, at the time was 13 when his dad died. And then when mm-hmm. he was 19, I went through breast cancer, uh, both of those ages being big shifts for a young boy. And... Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I was telling him, I said, there's something big planned for you because you're going through these huge experiences as a as a young person. And, and he's 27 now, and he's doing beautifully. He's a fantastic. Now, has writer. he gone into the music industry? or 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He did. He just put out his first record with his band, which is called Team Illuminati, which is a really amazing record they made. And uh, anyway, I'm very proud of him. And, you know, again, his his adaptability with life is is very defined by these experiences, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm sure his He's music has been defined. I was just going to say that. There's probably a depth about him and about his yeah. music that wouldn't have existed had he not had this early loss because he's been through so much more than most kids his age at that point. Yeah, and then he was always just this amazing teacher to me and a soul, you know, just an old soul. And You know, he spoke at his father's memorial mm. and um, at 13 years old, and he walked out and addressed all of our friends and said, if you don't mind, I'm going to just speak directly to my dad, and then he just talked directly to his dad for the rest of it, you know, looking up. And it was just so beautiful and um, heartbreaking as well, obviously, mm-hmm. but, you know. So he saw, he saw you carry on, too, with your music and, and oh, yeah. come to the depth you have. That's amazing. Can you talk about the, a little bit about the song we're going to play after we come back from break, Sand and Water, which is the name of the album, too, right? I love that name, yeah. Sand and Water. Yeah, well, Sand and Water is one song I wrote after his death, and in fact, I wrote it about a month after his death, and my good friend Rodney Crowell, who is also a good friend of my husband, had been, he and my husband had been talking about getting me to get back to writing, and he said, give her about a month and call her up and tell her you're coming over to write a song with her. That'll make her pick up her guitar. (laughs) And it worked. (laughs) And actually, by the time Rodney... You mean your husband had actually talked to him? Yes. Oh my gosh, that is sweet. And he said, you know, look, give her about a month, and then I know her. She'll just find some excuse not to write. She'll just be worrying about everything else. And so he, you know, the phone rang about a month later, and Rodney said, I'm coming over today, and we're going to write a song. And that was such a wake-up call for me, like, oh, gosh, you know, he's, he's one of my heroes. He's a great songwriter, and I thought I'd better pick up my guitar and just get my, you know, get my hands under it just to see if I can remember how to play. Because I had just gone through months of, you know, with my husband dying, I hadn't played or sung in, in months. And and this whole song just breathed out of me into a tape recorder, almost as if it was already completely written. That's and, amazing. Can you can you give us some of the words? Um, well, it says, all alone, I didn't like the feeling. All alone, I sat and cried. All alone, I tried to find some meaning, you know, in, in the sadness that I felt inside. And then the chorus talks about all the ways that you still feel connected to nature. You know, I will see you in in a thousand suns, and I will hear you in the surf. And 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 what I think is so helpful to people with that song is that they feel that this person is not really out of my reach. I just have to adjust to the different way that they that their presence is with me. I can't hold them anymore, and that's a devastating loss. But I can feel them, and that's a great, great feeling of hopefulness that comes from that. And anyway, I didn't think it was even finished. And when Rodney walked in, I said, "Well, I'm kind of working on this song, and it's not really done, and it's kind of too sad, probably, and probably won't, won't even take it out of my house." But I thought I'd play it for you, and I played it for him, and he he just said, "You are so completely out of it because this is like one of the greatest things you've ever written, and it's going to help." That, so many that's fantastic. You know, I listened to you sent me some of your music, and I listened to it all, and. That was the one that came up for me that I, I wanted to open the show with. So, yeah. so uh, it's just a wonderful piece. But some of the songs were, were written prior to even knowing we were getting ready to go on that big journey. Right. 
So, um, again, uh, I just wanted to have you give kind of the first lyric so people can be ready for it because it's such, so, such wonderful words. You want to give us those first few lyrics? Sure. It says, all alone, I didn't like the feeling. All alone, I sat and cried. All alone, I tried to find some meaning. Yeah, let's go with that and uh, let's listen to that, this song, wonderful song. Could we have it played now? <laughs> oh, there we go. All alone, I didn't like the feeling. All alone, I sat and cried. All alone, I had to find some meaning in the center. Of the pain I felt inside All alone I Came into this world All alone I will Someday die Solid stone is just And a million years gone Someday die 
solid stone is just sand and water, baby. Sand and water, and a million years gone by. Oh, that was absolutely fabulous, Beth. Beautiful. Really wonderful. It's been an amazing, that song could have its own journey. <laughs> you know, going from not wonder, wondering if I would ever play it outside of my house to having Elton John replace Candle in the Wind in his concert tour that same year with Sand and Water. And, wow. you know, he went on Oprah and he was talking about how healing it was. And, I mean, it, it, was, it opened so many doors. It, it led me to become friends with... Bonnie Raid, who's been a wonderful dear friend of mine ever since, and it just it brought so many people. So, so Elton comfort. John, Elton John um, sang this song. Yeah, he he called me out of the blue one day and mm-hmm. said he wanted to perform it on his concert tour that fall, mm-hmm. and I was so honored and thrilled, you know. And and he performed it all through his concert tour in, in the fall of '97, and he would talk about the. It was in tribute to Diana in place of Candle in the Wind because he felt very strongly that he didn't want to sing Candle in the Wind every night, you know, mm-hmm. over uh-huh. and over and over because that performance he did at her memorial service was so profoundly beautiful and I think he wanted it just to stay there, you know. Mm-hmm. So he sort of adopted Sand and Water in place of that, which I was so thrilled. <laughs> oh, it you know, is so it's so beautiful. Now, I want to tell our audience because I know they're wondering how they can get a hold of this album. Um, oh, yeah. You, well, you can, have it on your website. and Absolutely. You can go to BethNielsenChapman.com, which is Nielsen is spelled N-I-E-L-S-E-N. Uh, and then Chapman is, as, as you hear it, BethNielsenChapman.com. Um, and, you know, I love to hear from folks, too. I get letters every day, emails from people every day talking about finding that song. It was also on ER. There was a really moving segment of ER about about Lost, and uh, they just did a beautiful job of uh, using that song in, in that. So it's just, it keeps going on and on. It, it's one of those magical things, you know, that I didn't even think it was finished. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love, Beth, also on your website, I love how you include the lyrics to all your songs on your website. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love words, you know. I mean, that's mm-hmm. me. The, I write the melodies first, but, you know, we were talking about earlier that the thing about music is is that it's a vibration and it's it's the four words and often I will write and I teach a lot of workshops on creativity and I try to encourage people to try to write this way. I just make a sound with my voice and I use it as sort of a divining rod and and I kind of find the vowels. Often I'll find the vowels ahead of what, what the consonants are. So if you listen to my first little work tape of Sand and Water, you would hear me singing nonsense words but the vowels would line up with what the final line was. And, you know, my belief is that the songs already know how what they want to say. You know, you just have to get out of the way and let that come through. Uh-huh. And uh, I think of it as sort of divine intervention. <laughs> I was just thinking that and, and how mm-hmm. earnest in some way inspi- so inspired the, the, the song and these songs that you've written. Yeah. Um, and I teach now, a lot of workshops on creativity, and believe me, I've had a lot of people write, start writing songs that didn't think they knew how mm-hmm. by using this method of 
open now, it up. Now, how do people get in touch with your workshops? Are you just doing it? Where do you do them? All over or? I do them all over. Every year in Nashville in, in late spring, in the last weekend of April, I do a, a workshop in Nashville called the, the Creativity Stargaze, and we do that at the Dyer Observatory. And it's really amazing because um, we look through the telescope and we, I, my friend Rocky Alvey is also a, a great astronomer and he and he looks, we make all these correlations, you know, with creativity and how just the universe continues to unfold beauty and growth and, you know, there's this cycle in everything, you know, grief is like the cycle of everything else. There's there's this, the death of one form and then a, the, the beginning of another form and even as we let people go physically, you know, there's a way to feel very connected. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's such a hopeful message for people. Yeah. When you're in and that it's in, despair. It's in so many of my songs, and, and, you know, even prior to any of the loss I went through in my first album, there was a song called Emily that was also dealing very much with that with that view about how to get through loss. And I think that's really our, our primary reason for being here is to help each other with this one thing, you know, how to let go and mm-hmm. how to know that we're okay. Even how to let go and stay connected at the same time. How to let mm-hmm. how to let go, integrate someone into your life, and but reinvest in new relationships and in life again. Absolutely. You, you, you've you know, I think, I, yeah, I think the next song we're going to play after the break really kind of fits into this, the uh, Say Goodnight. Oh, yes. Yes. That song mm-hmm. is... Uh, Yep. It's a song that really could be sung to a child as you're saying goodnight to them. Um, and it can also, you know, be sung to someone as they're as they're transitioning out of their body into the next realm. <laughs> um, it's a very, very comforting song. I, I was asked to sing it um, after 9-11. The CEO of a very large corporation, they lost about 600 people wow. in, in the, the towers and... I sang it at St. Patrick's Cathedral. And, oh, my uh, goodness. Was that Candor Fitzgerald? or? It was Candor uh, Fitzgerald. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm sorry. No, it was um, um, Martian McClellan, I think is the name. It was the uh-huh. second largest one that lost, but I think a lot of people from, from both were there. And that song, it's just so soothing. And um, That must have been powerful to sing it in the cathedral. It was. I, I literally felt... The air felt as if it was pressing against my cheeks, and I, I just felt that it was souls. You know, there were just so many souls mm-hmm. brought into this other world that we entered. In, we all entered into collectively after that moment. You know, I felt very um, still inside. I don't remember walking to the microphone. I don't remember walking back and sitting down. I do. I do remember feeling that I was very much, you know honored to be there and, and just felt everybody well, wanted And I'm sure you something. had such a deep connection in so many ways with these people because you had experienced your own significant loss. Yes, it, and all loss is significant, of course. The mm-hmm. suddenness of that, I think, is a whole other journey I, I can't say I've ever been through, but I do know that um, being able to stand up there and sing a song that brought any any comfort to any of those people was, was just something I so was so happy that I could do, you know. Talk a little bit about about how you see music as a pathway to healing. Well, I just feel that, um, first of all, my own experience of coming through things in my childhood and my, my whole life, you know, music was a great soothing um, way that, to work through it all, you know. And then as I became a songwriter, 
even from a very early age, you know, it was all about me doing sort of self-therapy, you know, and going into my room and sulking and whatever was going on in my teenage years. I mean, my guitar was my was was my way of getting through everything. And um, then as I grew up and, you know, I started to have some success as a writer, you know, it had a monetary aspect to it. But but for me, you know, like I've, had, I've written some really big hit songs for other artists. I've written number one hits for Willie Nelson. and mm. I wrote, um, I was one of the writers on a big hit for Faith Hill called This Kiss, which was a really mm-hmm. fun song to write. Yeah, I know that song these, these songs have helped me, you know, have a lot more flexibility in terms of what I record as an artist, but I would have to say, you know, one of my biggest hits, if I were to say what was my biggest hit, I would have to say one of my biggest hits was Sand and Water, even though it didn't go to number one on the radio. Mm-hmm. You know, many years after this kiss and those other songs have, have, I mean, they still get played, but, you know, after they've kind of done their thing, I still have people call, you know, writing me mostly about the songs that I've written that have to do with coming through grief and, you know, how those songs have helped them and, you know, if I had to take any of them as the ones I sort of stand with, they, they would be those songs. And, you know, music is this vibrational kind of gift that we have. And, and, I, and I think of art and music, uh, visual art as well, in the same realm. You know, that I, I think that whatever way we have to access spirituality, whatever way we have to access the spirit of healing, it's through art and through moving, pushing color around on a piece of paper, drawing, sketching, writing things down. And, you know, yeah, and, and I was going to say your songs, kind they describe your healing journey, and you can see the the way that they they change over time. Yeah, what and what you're saying, and yeah, absolutely. You know, and and on you know, there's a song I wrote on the, on the Deeper Still record called Every December Sky. And I wrote that entire record, I mixed it, I was in my last day of mixing when I was diagnosed with stage 2 breast cancer. Mm. But many of the songs on that record, you'd listen to them and you would swear I wrote them after going through breast cancer because there's mm. so much about coming through that journey and letting go, you know. And, and every December sky is all about going through winter. And as I was sitting on my couch, my hair was falling out, you know, mm. in the fall as I went through chemotherapy and then in the spring... My hair grew back in um, with the leaves as they came on the trees, and I and I was and I had already written this song, which is all about holding faith even in the darkest part of the winter, because you have to believe there's spring inside the trees, and that's going to come and going to come back out. You're going to you're going to bloom again, you know. Oh, and it was Beth, I am. I just yeah. I just want to say that it's amazing to me the way you're finding creativity in in your experience. It's, mm-hmm. it's just... Well, I mean, I just sat there like a big metaphor, you know, on my couch singing a song <laughs> to myself, thinking, how could I have written this song? And, you know, it says, every December sky must lose its faith in leaves and dream of the spring inside the trees. How heavy the empty heart, how light the heart that's full. Sometimes I have to trust what I can't know. And that's breast cancer. You know, you can't know what you're gonna, what's going to happen. And you have right. to surrender. Finding that trust. You know, that's great. We'll talk a little bit about Say Goodnight. We're going to play that in a minute. Uh, well, Say Goodnight I wrote with my dear friend Joe Henry, who's a wonderful lyricist who lives in Colorado, and he'd written a lot of songs with John Denver, and he's a wonderful mm-hmm. writer. And I'd written this melody, and we wrote the lyric together, and we wanted it very much to be a song that could be sung to a child as well as an adult. And um, it's just a very, very gentle song 
that I think really allays a lot of fear. Anybody that's going through loss or illness feels very comforted by the song. And I was, you know, being asked to sing the song after 9-11 at St. Patrick's Cathedral was such an honor, and it was an amazing moment. And it's just one of those songs that will always be one of my favorites, one that's very special to me. And mine, because as I said, I listened to all of your music, and you didn't guide me in what to pick, and I love the sand and water and say good good night. Yeah. Uh, could we have that played now? Say goodnight, not goodbye, you will never leave my heart behind, like the path of a star.
Beautiful. Beautiful. Adi and I were talking a little bit about it reminded us of continuing bonds with people after they've gone. Okay, Mom, right. read my mind. That's exactly what I was going to say. There's a theme throughout your songs of continuing bonds and continuing connections with people we've loved and lost. That's because it's my deepest belief and, you know, my personal experience and the ways that I felt my husband near me at different times. And, you know, I, I, the heart just is this amazing thing that just keeps expanding, you know, that, that allows for more love and, and you know, I mean, I've, I've moved forward in my life, and, and I'm engaged to a beautiful man, and, you know, he honors and, and appreciates the love that I had for my husband. So to me, it's all this, the way that it all works together is just really, really beautiful, and no one will ever replace that part of my heart that holds that love that I had for my husband, but the heart is like an accordion. It just opens up and allows for for there to be more love, and that's another theme that I have in some of my songs, because... People, when they go through loss, I mean, it's it's hard to imagine ever being over it. And you don't really get over it. You just move through it into a different place in relation to it. And um, and it's and funny how people that, ask us to get over it or ask us really, if we yeah. have. I mean, our I culture doesn't exactly appreciate <laughs> grief. You know, like you have three months and then you just have to kind of get over it. But. And I like the idea that the heart is like an accordion. Yeah. I've never heard yeah. that, but it makes sense. <laughs> it expands. Yeah, it is. That. Yeah, and and um, you know it 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 is this amazing healing tool that we have. Creativity is, and and it's it's really something that I've become a teacher about it only because I really want to spread the word, you know. And I've I've really enjoyed being a teacher as well as a songwriter and an artist because I just love to see people get that message and move forward and have that energy that you can have from from realizing we all. We all just stay in the soup, you know. We, we, you can use the energy of the love of this person that you lost to propel you forward in your life. You can feel them with you. You can talk to them. You can continue to engage with them in your heart. And uh, it is a great loss to lose the ability to, to put your arms around them. That is something you have to acknowledge. But, but then there is so much of life, you know, to be lived beyond that that... Um, it's like entering through some doors, you know, into a place, a way of seeing things that allows for the acknowledgement of the sadness but doesn't stop life in its tracks. You know, I love the fact with your music that you are able to communicate. And I think some of us feel like it's kind of strange if we're trying to talk to the person or whatever, but you, you can really do it legit- legitimately, right? Yeah, you kind of become a card-carrying member of the club. <laughs> well, that's what's so beautiful. I mean, I, I I met you guys at the Compassionate Friends Conference, and um, a dear friend of mine has, has worked for the conference for many years, Hazel Woodward, mm-hmm. um, and we talked about me coming and singing, and I was so delighted to come and, and perform and do a workshop there because, you know, these parents, every one of the people there had lost a child, which is something I, mm-hmm. I have not ever had to go through, thank goodness. And I'm learning from them as much as anything I could teach them, you know, and and how do you get up in the morning and keep breathing when you've gone through that. And and it's this tremendous uh, accomplishment of of celebrating life to to honor that person by finding a way to move forward. And there is incredible sadness that was there, but also deep joy, you know, and people who are absolutely alive, you know, <laughs> and... And here now, you know, it really gets your attention 
Mm-hmm. You know, to be among people that have gone through that. You know. Now, how was it for you to sing? You sang, you know, there were what? how many people, 700 or 1,000 people there we were singing? Maybe well, 400, I'm know, not sure. They were there. there were 1,300 at the conference. So mm-hmm. how how does it, how is it for you to, do you think about it when you sing or, you know, can you? Especially I the think audiences that are, that are grieving, is it? Yes. I feel that um, it's my job to be very, to deliver the song very gently and very neutrally and not mm-hmm. to put my emotion into the situation because it's not it's not about me at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, people have asked me that before. How did I walk up and sing to 6,000 people in St. Patrick's? Patrick's mm, right. And I had to really, I was praying, sitting in my chair. Actually, Mayor Giuliani was speaking, and, and I just sat in my chair and I said, please, please, please give me the strength to not cry and not get caught up in my own emotions, and I and I was thankfully able to do that. Same thing with the, the conference, um, singing to a thousand parents who lost mm-hmm. a child. It's it's just an honor to be able to deliver the something that would bring them comfort. And so I sing, and you'll notice on my records, I don't sing with a lot of dra- drama, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, and if I were starting, if I were going to start crying, it would be hard not to be dramatic. But I sing with as much of a open air in my voice, as just to deliver this words and let the words have their own impact for each person, whatever level they're able to receive them. So now, now when you're writing, when you're writing initially, and I'm thinking of standing water, and you're initially when you were initially going through your own grief. I don't know what the process is, but are you at some times? Starting to write and sing, and then you just would you just break down all of a sudden thinking about oh, Ernest? I didn't cry at all when I went to Sand and Water. I was very still. I don't even think I breathed. I think I just wow. sang the song into a little tape recorder, and then I wrote the words. And all I could think about was Rodney Crowell's going to be here in an hour, and I need to have something to show him. And I was, <laughs> you know, I was so, you, so you were clarity, and it sounds like it was also kind of a message from Ernest because he told him to come and. I didn't even know when he was coming over that he had been that they chatted about that. I didn't find that out till later. Uh, so I was I was in this state of oh goodness, I better you know have something prepared. <laughs> and I didn't recognize it as a very good song as I wrote it. I didn't think it made any sense. And I even said something like, you know, there's this one line about the sand and water is a million years gone. You know, it's sand and water and a rock and a million years gone by. And, and I didn't. Have this. I didn't. I was like an. I was like somebody. The song came through me, and as I was writing it down, I was just sort of this vehicle. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't engaged myself emotionally until about two weeks later. Um, but anyway, just to cap off, I, yeah. I mean, I didn't realize what I had written until about two weeks after I wrote "Sand and Water," and I was on my way to the dentist office, and all of a sudden I thought about it, and I went, "That's really good." <laughs> I was in my car, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that does make sense." So. I mean, I think creativity often comes through us, and we're just neutral. You know, we I, t- I teach a lot of people just try to teach them how to stay out of the way <laughs> when it comes through. You know, mm-hmm. and and let the, that creative energy. I love yeah. that. Well, um, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and your projects. And well, I've been working with uh, my newest project is called Prism, and it's a double CD. And the second CD is in nine languages, and it's kind of my sort of healing record about peace, I guess you'd call it, and I worked on it over quite a few years, and I was so thrilled to finally put it out last year, and um, 
in, in late last 2007. And it's just a, a song that really celebrates the sound of the human voice in devotion of all from all different paths of faith. So um, it's kind of an extension of my grief work, you know, because I think so much in the world is is upheaval about people's um, difference of opinion about that. And, um, you know, I just wanted to show with music the beauty of each type of style of, of musical expression. With mm, that sounds wonderful. I'll look forward yeah. to hearing it. Well, tell us uh, a little bit about the song we're going to go out with, I'm a Happy Girl. Yeah, well, Happy Girl I wrote with my dear friend Annie Roboff, with whom I write a lot of songs. And it's a song about taking back yourself and and being joyful and, and coming through adversity and believing in yourself and loving yourself. It's basically a song about loving yourself. And I felt like it really fit on the Sand and Water album because it, it's sort of kind of the way I try to live. <laughs> so I want to say that the songs we're hearing today are all on the Sand and Water album, but um, deeper still, I've been listening to that. It's a fabulous album. And I haven't heard hold you, you Hold the Keys, but I'm sure... That's got to be an amazing, amazing one, too. So people can, can go to your website. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can find them all on my website, bethbrown.com. Okay, and so go to her website and, and get those songs. And, Beth, we want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank um, you. Yeah. Um, thank Heidi, you, Heidi, you want to great. Yeah, it's been wonderful having you on, and, and we're going to go out with I'm a Happy Girl.
You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.